0: Welcome to Ticking Stock with Kelly McMillan. If the name sounds like a business show to you, then you've got it all wrong. Kelly McMillan is the principal of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks, and we'll talk about shooting for fun, competition, hunting, and self-defense. Now, here is your host, Kelly McMillan.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. I'm your host, and for the next hour, we're going to be discussing all things related to guns, shooting, hunting, and the firearms industry. I'm joined by my co-host, Zev the Wolf Nadler, owner and operator of Firearms Concierge and TheBestDronage.com. What I haven't been suggesting when I introduce him uh, on the show is that he is also the National Sales Director for McCubed, which is a division of McMillan. So uh, today's show basically deals almost exclusively with retail and sales. So I thought this would be a good time for Zev to kind of use his uh, particular talents and kind of direct the show. So I'm going to pretty much turn it over to him now, let him uh, kind of direct the uh, conversation with our guest today. Thank you, Kelly. Folks, when Kelly brought me on the show when it first started uh, the week
2: before this past 2017 SHOT Show, he brought me on really to set up our broadcasting equipment, schedule the guests he wanted to interview, and and just sit in on the show. I kept a pretty low profile because I've always said that I'd rather eat broken glass than do any form of public speaking. (laughs) But Kelly has always given me free reign to chime in, ask some questions,
1: and offer some perspectives. Everyone who knows Zev knows that that is absolutely not true.
2: (laughs) Well. Uh, This is going to be a particularly enjoyable episode for me. Uh, I've worked in the retail side of the firearms industry, and both of our guests have highly successful retail firearms businesses, and they achieve that by using somewhat different methodologies. I think, though, that at the end of the day, or rather the end of the show, you'll see that there are some common threads that run between them and, frankly, any successful business. And I'm talking about integrity, community involvement, respect for our law enforcement and military, and customer satisfaction to the point of customer excellence to see. So the first half hour of our show will feature Neil Curry of Ready Gunner, located in Orm, Utah. And after our commercial break at the bottom of the hour, we will be joined by Richard Sprague of Sprague Sports. So I'd like to begin with our first segment, but before we turn it over to Neil for the usual 60 seconds of who am I and what did I do after I completed my service with the 2nd Battalion of the 75th Ranger Regiment, I'd like to mention that we have two other esteemed guests on the line with him. So if you've never seen Ready Gunner's social media offerings on Instagram. You may not know who the man spot and Willie are, but I suspect you will enjoy their being with us on the show. Gentlemen, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
2: Neil, why don't you give us that 60-second primer of how you went from being a Ranger, serving two tours in Iraq and one in Afghanistan, to becoming the proprietor of a highly successful firearms emporium?
3: Well, the 62nd version, yeah. So I left the military. I did some private contracting after that. I had my hooch uh, yeah. to, uh, you know, do college and start a business. So I applied for an FFL when I was overseas, came home, met with the ATF, and ran, you know, the first year of the operations of Red Gunner out of my basement. So from there, it just kind of grew on its own. We moved to a warehouse in Orem and kind of did a, an appointment by only, you know, sales method. Um, while I was there, we had that unfortunate Sandy Hook incident, and that, um, you know, obviously, I think it was probably the peak of all peaks for gun sales at that time. Uh, unfortunately, it had to be fueled by Sandy Hook. But I had about 70K in inventory, which I sold in a matter of about 13 hours that day. And being the small fish I was at the time, I couldn't, re- I couldn't repurchase any new inventory. So basically, I had to, you know, close my doors for, you know, three, four, five months before I could get more product. And once I did, then we opened a smaller store in Provo, uh, operated out of there for three years. And then we opened the store here in Norum literally about a year ago. And uh, now we have a 15 lane shooting range. It's 20,000 square feet. And, you know, like you said, most of our success nowadays is kind of fueled by the social media of, of our page and some of the other pages we own.
2: Awesome. Uh, Willie, I remember you and your beard from my Davidson's days when I visited a few times, and I know you've always had a comedic wit about you. How did the whole Ready Gunner comedy skit video routines become a thing that you guys use so successfully on Instagram?
4: Uh, we started to work with Manspot probably a year or two ago somewhere in there and and he does a bunch of great videos, super fun to work with and and so when when he he's doing a spot or or advertising something, uh, he'll come in and we'll brainstorm some ideas and just kind of roll it it's easy to work with uh, guys that are that are already funny and and you know love open to direction.
2: Yeah, I noticed that he has the, the YouTube channel called Meet the Spots, uh, and you go by the man spot, obviously, while your wife is the wife spot, and you have an incredibly adorable son named Axel, who uh, appears to be around two years old. He's known as Littles. What was the genesis of this YouTube channel, Meet the Spots, and how did you and Neil and Willie connect?
5: Um, well, we actually met through the, what we call the VBA, the, the Veterans Business Alliance, and obviously with Neil being a veteran, He was invited to come to it, and it's just an organization where uh, business owners, who are also veterans, can kind of coordinate, network, and see how they can work together in one aspect or another. And I was invited to that event by uh, Black Rifle Coffee, and then that's when me and Neil kind of kicked it off, and he already had an impressive social media uh, following and uh, with me, it's just been a means of I've always liked to entertain and be funny in some aspect or another. And, uh, my love and passion for the Second Amendment kind of correlates in how I can make people laugh while they have some type of a firearm, you know, associated in their life. Because if you're a true-blooded American, you have a gun, and, you know, obviously there's You know, it it causes controversy, and especially if you have a family, the wife wants to spend money doing something else, but if you have a passion for firearms, you want to spend your money doing that. So I've been able to to kind of just play off of that, and uh, I've found just a huge following of people who who like that because I kind of call my, uh, my content kind of like Super Bowl advertising. A lot of people will just watch the Super Bowl just for the ads, and that's how I kind of have been able to build my social media by making funny, Um, skits, and I've also been able to integrate that into um, products, which is why Neil and I and Willie kind of hit it off so well, because everybody loves a character, and Willie, as we all know, is a character in himself
2: right and Manspot, just before i ask the next question you might be using your speakerphone on your cell phone or have us on in the background if either of those are the case we're getting some feedback so if you can correct that uh, i would appreciate it uh, really to your point what you said about about the wife's role and the husband's role you know I, I believe your wife has a pretty successful following herself and and she deals in in cosmetics is that correct
4: yeah his, his call just dropped so he's calling you back but uh Yeah, she does. What other stuff does she do? Cosmetics. Yeah, and makeup tutorials. And she's great, super cute. And they also have another baby on the way, the little, littler spot. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. There was a, a group picture where she called herself, I think, the blue beluga, because she was wearing a blue dress, yeah. uh, proudly displaying the stomach there. And, you know, I, I uh, really love the synergy between the man spot and his wife. Uh, I remember seeing a video where uh, oh, gonna he, go over. he, say again, he's back on that. Oh, he's back on. Okay, great. Yeah. So I was watching a video of the man spot and his wife uh, where he had just purchased a new gun and came home, and she gets up from the couch and grabs him by the beard and pulls him in for a kiss because you smell of freedom. And, and then he has to fess <laughs> up that he bought a gun, and that earned him a triple smack across the face. So, I mean, you guys really, you make me laugh. You do a great job. Um, I really appreciate that. So Yeah, I've that got was a good
3: one. That me. was uh, watching man spot get slapped is, is always a good time.
1: Uh, I've got a question for you guys. You have uh, a retail brick and mortar store and uh, a range, but Instagram reaches far beyond that. You said, yeah, your social media is driving your business. I do know you have an online store. Just curious, um, what's the percentage of your sales that you attribute to online as opposed to, you know, in person in the brick and mortar?
3: So, the, right now, the brick and mortar is the majority. We actually just launched a new website um, probably a couple months ago. And, you know, you, you nailed it on the head. Our social media reaches across the U.S. and even, you know, some other countries as well. And Utah County, where the store is located, is only so big. So, um, I don't know what the percentage of our Utah followers versus our national followers, but like you said, what we post on social media. You know, the, the whole point of it is to, to make sales and push sales and, and everything else. So, work firmly to up the website so we can kind of tap in more to our social media base and, and help customers across the U.S. and not just out of the store here in Orem.
5: Very nice. Uh, this is Cooper. I actually, speaking of social media, had a quick question, and I wanted to pick your brain about it. Uh, so, as we all know, Facebook's algorithm no longer lets firearms companies promote Uh, a post Uh, how have you handled this and how have you cross-promoted with other companies in order to kind of boost your reach if so would you recommend it
3: that that's an awesome question um so we started on facebook so there was a company called air 15 news and you know five years ago six years ago when we first started the business there wasn't a, a lot of gun companies on social media and Air 15 News was one of the bigger ones. I think they had 120,000 followers on Facebook. So we teamed up with those guys, and they would do these giveaways when you were allowed to do this at the time. And they would team up with like ten companies. We'd all throw something into the pot, and to get included into this giveaway, you'd have to go follow all those pages. So we would get you know four, five, six, seven thousand followers out of each giveaway that Air 15 News would do. And then overnight, Facebook just kind of. You know, closed the door on that, and our Facebook page completely died overnight. So, I mean, we were getting tens of thousands of views on videos and on photos, and it went to literally, like, single-digit numbers the next day. Oh, wow. When we went to Instagram before Facebook owned it, (laughs) and we're like, well, let's try Instagram since Facebook isn't working anymore. So we started the Ready to get our Instagram page. And started posting on there. And then again, the algorithms changed. Facebook bought Instagram and now it's becoming more Facebook-ish and more restrictive to gun companies. So that's kind of why we came up with some of these social media personalities like Manspot and Black Rifle Coffee. And because then we can promote our product on their pages, which maybe aren't as regulated as Brady Gunners page because we do sell guns. So we're kind of using other outlet to kind of promote our business and drive traffic back to our page since Instagram kind of, you know, throttles us back a bit.
5: Yeah, do you know any uh, companies that deal with firearms that are still being able to kind of get through the the algorithm and still be able to promote? Because Zev has mentioned that he's seen some companies still sponsoring posts. Have you tried that? Have you dared to try it?
3: We, we can't sponsor posts because when you sponsor posts, it's linked through Facebook. So our Facebook mm-hmm. page has already been, like, red flagged. So... That's um, exactly what happened
5: to people... us back in January.
3: Yeah. So that's instead of paying Facebook or Instagram to promote our ads and doing sponsored ads, the way we do it is by bringing on these personalities. And, you know, if, if Manspot does a video for us, like some of the ones you've seen, and he's promoting Ready Gunners, that, that in itself is a sponsored ad because he's getting over 100,000 views on his videos. So I, I can't promote it or pay Facebook to do it. So this is kind of more of our intuitive way of doing it. It's just through other bigger pages.
2: Okay. And some of the things that I've seen are, like, meets. Like, you know, if there's a precision rifle match or if there's a steel challenge match, you know, somebody will put a video up of guys running from one stage to another spanking steel um, and they're able to sponsor that and promote that. So I was kind of wondering and thinking we're toying with because we sell stocks or because we have a radio show. Could we promote our radio show? Or might they say, well McMillan used to sell guns way back they still sell sell stocks. We don't know that we want to let them promote their radio show. Do you think that that would be an issue or in your experience is that something we could possibly try?
3: And you started a new Facebook page now. And it was the, like a radio talk show page. Um, I don't think you would have any issues. Whether you have issues down the road or not, I don't know. I mean, anybody can come, come on your page and complain and say, hey, these guys are talking about guns, getting it offends me, and, you know, go to Facebook as a report, and now they decide to black, you know, black flag your page, and now you're in the same boat you're in now.
2: Right. Now, you talked about the Black Rifle uh, Coffee Company. I, I think I've seen Matt Best on a couple of your videos. Is he in your area, and do you guys collaborate as well?
3: Yeah, so we, we have a great relationship with uh, Black Rifle. Actually, me and, me and Matt and Rocco, were all the same uh, range of battalion. Um, he was actually down here yesterday filming a video, which should be released here probably next week or something. But, yeah, they're just north. They're about 30 minutes north of us just up in Salt Lake. they got a great facility up there. Awesome company, awesome guys, and great coffee. So, yeah, we we do coordinate some stuff with them.
2: Very cool. And do you guys, uh, I mean, I've watched all your videos, and obviously I'm a drone guy, and that's where my heart is. So I wonder, are you going to be introducing a little more dronage into your videos as you move forward?
3: You know, we would love to. We've actually talked about some great drone footage ideas. Um, We don't have a drone ourselves. We've talked about maybe buying one. But, uh yeah, I mean, that just opens up your ability to make, you know, a whole different set of type of videos. So, yeah, it'd be awesome. Well,
2: my, well I, I'd like to offer you not to buy that, that uh, drone and just pay for my ticket to come up, and I think it would be a blast to do a couple of days filming with you You know, the, the,
3: the, the hardest thing about filming gun videos is that uh, you have all the safety Nazis on Instagram and Facebook, um, you know, commenting on a 2D photo about, hey, your finger's too close to the trigger, your finger's on the trigger, you're not wearing pro, you're not wearing your pro. Um, you know, things like that. I mean, obviously, all the videos we do, we take all safety precautions. But, um, you know, we could set like a, a, a phone on a camera on a tripod downrange and we're shooting past it and everyone just assumes there's a person behind the iPhone and they're like, man, you guys are shooting right back past that person. So, yeah, we there's definitely a lot of you can s- hover that thing right in front of a firing line and not have any safety issues. So, it does does quite a lot.
2: Right. And a lot of your stuff is so risque in that same regard. I mean, you just recently did one where you were firing a, a select fire weapon uh, and using the recoil to get yourself backwards in a chair and on a skateboard. And I know yeah. you obviously, you know, you obviously have the uh, the ability to to stay safe and do that. But I wonder how many people look at that, at that and go, whoa. And then I think you had a husband and a wife with some funny helmets on and you gave him a, a couple Derringers <laughs> and you gave her, you know, a weapon that would recoil. Well, and to the casual observer who wants to be, you know, an armchair safety, range safety officer, he'd say, well, she was backwards while he was still on the front line. But, you know, we understand video, we understand film, and we know how that works. Um, when yeah, I first you
3: cut and edit, like those two were not shooting at the same time at any point, but you edited to make it look that way. And the, and the skateboard video, that thing went viral, probably got over 40, 50 million views across, across the, you know, social media platform. And that was done by me on a skateboard. There was no one else around. There was a tripod, camera downrange. Um, and, yeah, of course, you well, had to people come in and say something. But it's, it's like, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of inherited risk in when you do things like that. But it's no more risk than, than a guy in the, in the X Games doing the double backflip on a motorcycle. You know, it's just the nature of the sport. And, you know, no one else was at risk except for me on the skateboard. But, you know, I've, I've handled guns a lot. And, you know, we We were safe as possible, as we always do on our video, so
2: I knew it was Kelly who kind of got me into the drone world two years back. I got into a pretty rough accident and couldn't do the the firearms training that I had been doing. And so I bought a drone, and he came up with the idea and said, hey, why don't you drone this cancer benefit we're doing at some shotgun stages? And I came out and did that, and I realized I could get a perspective with a drone, you know, 10 feet in front of and 5 feet above the subject and see the gases coming out of the gun, you know, the casings ejecting, the grimace on their face, do it in slow. And it just gives a whole new perspective. So, yeah, there, there's a lot to be done there. But enough about droneage. Tell tell me more about the uh, uh, the man spot and Willie. And what you guys have uh, have scheduled to make us laugh? Well,
4: so I would always love I would love that drone because these guys always make me hold the camera down by the targets. And I'm always like, oh, should you, should you guys be shooting that close to me? And I'm like, yeah, you're fine. We're like, well, we used to do this in the military all the time. Just hold the, just hold the phone still. You trust me, right?
2: Aren't those called Russian confidence drills or something like that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a
2: yeah. Well, we have a, uh, a guy who calls in once in a while named Vlad. He keeps trying to get on the show. He's a he's a Russian guy and he keeps trying to find out how he can get a stock on his Mosin. And we're thinking like, OK, he's got like a straight up, you know, Mosin Hunter's rifle. And no, he wants to get a McMillan stock on a Mosin Nagant. So we'll see what happens with him. We might actually let him on the show one day because he's just hilarious.
4: <laughs> Put him on. This guy didn't hack the election, did he?
2: Right. So, so Manspot, how did you come up with the idea to weave your beard into your chest?
5: What? Oh, boy. Well, I I think it's just a means of my wife made me upset one day, so it was just how can I make myself more go into beast mode?
2: (laughs) Yeah, there was one video you did where you, you had the shirt off and you were running around and, and the and the beard just didn't stop. It was pretty cool. And then they also made use of their beard uh, in, in poking fun at Neil. Neil came into the office showing his new concealed carry, and he was all happy and smiling, like, look at this, guys. And then Willie and, and the man spot just started laughing at him, and they pulled their beards apart and started pulling out all, all kinds of ordnance from their beards and from their <laughs> chests and their backs. It was hilarious. So you definitely... <laughs> Anybody Don't who's listening, go you gotta to the watch Facebook these guys. the thing That
3: you guys were talking about that that video on uh, on Manspot's Facebook because Manspot right now he's getting uh, millions of views on some of his videos on Facebook. So that's kind of how we bypass the Facebook issue with our page. Is just promoting on Manspot's page because he's he's still getting views on his. I think what was that one at last time you looked Manspot that beard one. I think that was
5: over eight million views, and yeah. that's one thing about. Facebook and their algorithm that they cannot stop, even if it's gun-related, is you can't stop viral. So anything that goes viral, even if it's an advertisement within the video, they can't stop it. So I think that's just another method that we've been able to kind of learn in the whole social media is, you know, if you have an advertisement within the video that makes people laugh, it'll just keep growing and they can't stop it
1: that's a good question we hear the term viral all the time but i'm not sure i even know exactly what that means how do they or how do you define viral or is there a, a sp- specific definition of the term viral
3: well so my what, what, is, what is it is basically is, is like difference manspell is saying you, you create a video that is just so funny and and relates to people that when people see it, they want to share it with their friends or families, and they'll share it on their profile. And now everybody that follows that person and on a non-restricted page, right, because this is now a personal page, will see that video, and then those people and friends and family might also think it's funny and share it with their friends. So it's, it's done through shares. Like some of those videos that have, you know, in the upwards of over a million views have been shared, you know, tens of thousands of times by other people. So it's being spread across this huge platform of just it's almost like an mlm type business where it just gets you know posted and posted and posted by you know tens of thousands of people
1: yeah i understand that and i think we all know that that's exactly what it is but i was wondering if there's a threshold that it it has to cross until it can actually be uh viral Uh, another thing is trending you know you see you look on uh Twitter, on, on Twitter, it, yeah. and at the top of the page, it'll say trending. Well, what does it have to do in order to be able to be considered trending? Or is that just their own definition of what they think is important?
3: I, I think trending it, training is, a, is a Twitter definition, and I'm sure they have some kind of, a, hey, when it hits so many shares or views or something on Twitter, it's now trending. I'm going to post it as trending. I think that's a, an in-house number. I don't know what it is. Um, for, for Facebook, I don't, I don't think viral has like a number where it's like, Hey, if it hits 2 million views, that's the viral number. Now that would, you can consider that viral. I, sh- I think it's just, you know, kind of like a, a vague definition of something that gets shared over, you know, my, my definition of viral would be over like a couple million views.
4: I, I know it on uh, Instagram too, it, like the first minute is critical for how much, uh, you know, how much uh, shares and views and and likes, you're getting comments. The interaction that you get in that first initial period makes a difference in, in what they what how many people see it.
1: Hey guys, I know we're we're getting a little short on time, and I know I want to talk some business with you guys uh, and kind of pick your brain. Uh, I do like your new website; it's really cool. I like the concept of of having the entire uh, website as the store. Uh, when you you know click on any particular page, and it shows product, there's a buy button on every one of them. I really like that, and, and we have considered for a long time doing that, of course, not all of our products are available on the store. Um, have you had the website up long enough to see whether or not that's really something that your customers really like?
3: So, um, y- yes and no. I mean, again, the new one's only been up a couple months, and we really haven't started pushing it through our social media. Um, until just recently, so like Manspot really hasn't pushed the website much, and, and we've just kind of started pushing it on our own pages. And now Instagram has the. Uh, it used to be only available to like uh, certified or verified pages, but now it's available to anybody with a business page, where you can have the swipe up option on your uh, Instagram story. So you can post a product, you hit swipe up, and it takes them directly to your website for them to purchase that. So that's that's been huge for us, but. The research we've done on websites is the easier you make it, right? If someone comes to your website looking for product and it takes them more than like 17 seconds for them to find it, they're going to go back to Google, Google it, and find another easier route to take. So we're I, just trying to add- make it easy. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you a question. So you're saying that you could put something up on Instagram and it might be gun-related and they will allow somebody to swipe up and go to a gun-related store to purchase?
3: As of right now, yes. So right awesome. now, if you go to our Ready Gunner page and go to our story, I don't know if we have anything posted right now, but we post them every day. We we will link products from the store, not guns themselves necessarily, but gun parts, you know, AR-15 parts and things like that, where you can do swipe up and it takes them right to the website. So they haven't restricted that yet, and we're using it every day.
1: How difficult is it to make that uh, swipe up feature Happen.
3: It's it's super easy. You just have to have a business page. So if you have an Instagram page, you have to make a business page, which means you have to make a page for your Instagram page on Facebook. So you link your Instagram page to your Facebook page, and now you can make a business page, and you have the swipe up option. If that makes sense.
1: Cool. Yeah. Something we'll give it a try. Yeah, well, it's, guys. It's awesome.
3: Uh, if you get that product to sell, you for, you for sure need to do it.
2: Well, we're, we're coming up on the two-minute mark, and I, I just wanted to ask one question and then ask you guys to, to give us your last-minute plug. Um, when you were in Ireland, Manspot, and you did that fantastic video where I just love the facial expressions and responses of people that you, you, you asked for a gun for. So basically, Manspot goes to Ireland. Uh, he feels his freedom is waning. His freedom power bar is you know, going downscale, he needs a gun. And he asks everybody from a taxi guy to a guy in a bar, you know, where can I get a gun, where can I get a gun? He calls Neil over the phone, and and Neil does his great impression of, you know, being clueless and not being able to help. (laughs) And at the end, he just seems to survive. What was that like, you know, with the locals? Did they they get it? Did they appreciate the humor?
5: Oh, yeah. Uh, The locals down there the whole concept of being able to have a gun and buy military styled guns is kind of just beyond them so they have this whole mindset of Americans are crazy why would you need a military type gun and my response was well why wouldn't you want a military type gun
2: perfect Perfect. All right, guys. Well, we have about one minute left. So, if you want to uh, advise people, I mean, I highly recommend that after the show is complete, they get on their Instagram accounts and find Ready Gunner, all one word. Uh, start watching the one minute videos. Go out to Facebook, hit the man spot. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
3: I think that's it. We, were we were you guys having a song, But yeah, if you wanna if you wanna be entertained or find a, a good place to buy product with a company with good customer service, veteran-owned, then yeah, check out Ready Gunner. Check out the Matt spot and check out Willie
1: Lovelo. Hey guys, I really want to thank you for being on. Thanks for taking the time. I know your time is very important, uh, and I want to ask all of our listeners to stick with us for the next few minutes while we take a commercial break, and we'll be right back.
6: for exciting video content live and on demand visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else that's voiceamerica.tv tune in now for over 40 years mcmillan usa has been at the leading edge of the gun stock industry the company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form function and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks From tactical to hunting to competitive shooting, McMillan stocks are designed to dominate. Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage check out the Macmillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at Macmillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. Again, that's 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
0: You are listening to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Now
1: back to the show. Yeah, thanks to all of our listeners for sticking with us through the commercial break. Uh, We're back now, and uh, I'm really excited about this next guest. Uh, Zev, I know you have a personal relationship with him. Uh, uh, Why don't you introduce him? Thank you. Uh, Richard, is, uh, Richard Sprague is of
2: Sprague Sports, arguably the finest family-owned retail shop that I think rivals the corporate-owned big-box stores. Uh, I had the pleasure of visiting his store a few times when I was with Davidson's, and I was immediately impressed on my first visit by how he managed the floor space, Um, the vast selection of products, how every shelf was squared away and items presented towards the front, a real classic example of how things should be done. And then lo and behold, I think a half a year after I visited a store, I attended Schott University at the 2014 Schott Show, and he was actually the featured speaker on how to best use your retail floor space, and I was floored pun intended. Um, I had the good fortune of reconnecting with Richard when I participated in the Arizona Game and Fish Business Summit last month and I asked him to join us today. Richard, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Zoe. Thank you, Kelly. Happy to be here.
2: Richard, why don't you tell us a bit about how you literally grew up in this industry?
0: Sure. Um, we're we're doing business on the same piece of property um, that my grandfather bought in the late 1920s. It's been a some kind of a sprague family operation here in yuma <clears throat> we're uh, on 32nd street the town kind of grew up around us so we were fortunate in that aspect um, my dad got out of the air force um and came back to yuma uh, where we had the uh, family motel is what we originally built on this property and uh thought he was going to be an electrician got to the point where he was a journeyman and uh kind of got an had an interest in firearms and uh one of his buddies said, "You know, there's really not a, a decent store in Yuma. Why don't you look into doing that with your property, and maybe you could open up a store?" And so he he did. He uh, opened up the Starlight Sports Shop back in 1956, which took on the same name as our motel, which at the time was called the Starlight Motel, which stayed operational until 1970. So he started out with 14 guns and about you know 900 bucks in the bank, as the story goes, and. Um, basically, I was born that year, 1956, and I grew up crawling around on the cement floors, and at age eight, he sucked me in a marksmanship uh, program at the local American Legion post-19 where they had a NRA-certified course, um, and it was served by the uh, Department of Civilian Marksmanship Guns, uh, Remington 513 Target Masters and such, and ammo. And I took a liking to it, and so basically, uh, fast forward to today, and, you know, there's Lots of lots of shooting in between, and lots of hunts, and uh, a lot of professional growth. And, and uh, I bought the business from my dad in 1984, and uh, he was 52 years old, and he decided he wanted to go hang out down at the sheriff's office, and he devoted the rest of his uh, years to the sheriff's local sheriff's department as a reserve commander. Uh, he commanded the reserve program there, and uh, he loved that, that. Those last 20 years.
2: Well, I'm sitting here smiling because both you and Kelly's fathers were in the Air Force. Both retired from the Air Force. Both of you took an initial idea, an initial concept, and then grew it well beyond what it had originally been planned at. Um, So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about what you do for the the NSSF. I I keep seeing your name in different committees and and different boards there. How did you get involved? What have you done for them, And, and what are you currently doing now?
0: Well, you know, I never want to keep my mouth shut when I see something that, you know, I had a question on. I always like to learn from others, and so I would, you know, task um, the NSSF with the uh, National Shooting Sports Foundation with different programs that they offer to the retailers. And uh, so uh, I'm thinking it's around 12 years ago. It might have been a couple more. Uh, there, the director of the retail advisory group there for the NSSF was a gentleman named John Badowski. And uh, I, I think I called him one too many times, and he goes, You know what? You seem to have a lot of opinions on things. Why don't you come and help us uh, on our advisory committee? So I did, and uh, I've been involved ever since. And I was supposed to be a certain term to the time on the board, on the uh, committee there. And it's just, I keep staying on and staying on. And, and now I'm the, the uh, retail advisory chairman uh, this last couple of years. And as a result, I have a seat on the board of governors for the NSSF. And there's about uh, 19, 19 governors on that, and we meet meet once a year, and we talk. Last year, we talked every month, at conference calls, heading into the election, and now we just uh, we meet two or three times a year and just try to help the industry grow.
1: I've got a quick question for you, Richard. Uh, have you? Do you think you personally have been affected by Operation Choke Point?
0: Well, and. In a very minor way, um, uh, we've been uh, our banking partners have been with us since day one and has stayed. They have stayed solid. The only time I've noticed issues is when uh, we're looking for consumer retail consumer financing, and that's really hard to find uh, to be able to offer to our customers who want to make larger ticket uh,
1: purchases. You know, that's usually the way that most of the larger stores have have seen the interference. Also, in credit card processing, that's been a a, a way that they've really been able to impact the the firearms community by making it very difficult for individuals to buy firearms, um, by really creating havoc among the the credit card processing. Uh, I just ask, because I'm I'm heading back to Washington in a couple of weeks to, to sit on a Uh, sit in on a, a, a round table that basically has been formed simply to see if we can't figure out how to counteract any of the damage done by operation choke point and maybe to even talk about some relief to some of the people who've been really hurt fortunately for me when bank of america asked me to leave it didn't hurt me financially uh, they gave me plenty of time to close my accounts and and find another bank but uh, there have been stories and right here in arizona of of companies that's had their bank accounts frozen and for an uh, as much as six weeks and uh, i know even as successful as we've been, you freeze my bank account for six weeks, I'm going to be in big trouble. So, yeah. I, I'm. you know, there are there are some people who have been really hurt by it. And, and I just wanted to get some feedback before I went back there and, and know if the re- retailers have really felt it.
0: Hey, Kelly, I appreciate your efforts on that. Um, my product mix and my lines are a little bit more diverse than somebody who's just, you know, Joe's gun shop or whatever. So it may be that that has helped me because I have my truck accessory division and so
1: on. Well, good. I'm glad that it, it didn't adversely affect you too badly.
2: And, you know, Richard, when I... uh had finished visiting your store the first time and continued on my route. I, I had a pretty cool job. I basically had to get up every Monday morning, get on an airplane wherever I wanted to go between Washington State and Montana, down to New Mexico, and back to California. And I got to decide, you know, which of the 25, 30 dealers in those areas I'd want to visit during the week. And so after visiting your store, uh, before I heard you speak uh, at the Shot University, I actually was was telling some of the retailers I met that they need to, if they have time, come visit your store and see what you do and how you do it differently than everybody else, and why the floor plan is so excellent and and the diversity of goods that you sell, all kinds of sporting goods. So, um, yeah, you you really made quite an impression on me, and you didn't know that until I saw you uh, last month. But uh, great job what you've done. So.
0: Very kind words. I appreciate that. um, I'm a student of retail, and I I don't pass up a good gun shop if I can go and learn from somebody else. Um, We put together a a performance dealer group, uh, which is a peer group. It's kind of like a dealer 20 group they've used in the automotive industry for years. About 10 years ago, myself and Miles Hall from H&H gun shop at the time in in Oklahoma City, we put together a group of dealers from non-competing parts of the country to uh, come together and uh, with a professional moderator and to compare numbers and talk shop and learn from each other about running our businesses. And as a result of those meetings, you know, I I learn from these other guys uh, every time we have a meeting and uh, whenever I'm visiting any city anywhere, I'll I'll go check out the, the best shop in the area.
1: You know, that's awesome advice. And, and I get calls all the time to join this group and that group and come sit in on this meeting, all having to do with business. And unfortunately for us, there just aren't very many people that have a business model that looks like ours. So I'm not sure how much I can learn from other people. But, you know, even if it's just a little bit, I think it's worth doing. I've got a question for you. You're, you're a student and I'm going to put you on the spot here because I've been on your website, uh, you're a student of retail. In this day and age, it seems like you're missing an opportunity to sell to a generation that just flat will not come to your store.
0: Well, um, certainly uh, having a business is kind of like raising a family and uh, the various stages of growth that your family goes through. Um, you have to evolve with it, and we fully recognize that and are embracing all change and are always in the midst of, of um, changing our culture and availability of, you know, how people do business with us. So we're, we're working with two or three different companies right now to uh, place ourselves in a, in a, on a platform on our website that would allow people to buy everything we have in our store and everything... Every distributor that we deal with has in their warehouses.
1: That's awesome. And and I knew that that must have been in the works because um, looking at your website, it says you can buy anything that we sell. uh, Just call us. And, And I really commend you for that. I was the one back seven, eight, nine years ago when everybody was going to an automated phone system where customers never got to talk to anybody because they didn't want to be bothered. I flat said no not going to do that, not going to put a an answering machine service in, I'm going to have a receptionist, somebody is going to answer every single phone call and talk to every customer that calls, even if they don't give them any answers, they'll at least know that there's somebody on the end of the line, and that's a commitment that I've made, uh, I know that that's your commitment too, uh, but we found a way to make it work with the store, that they I'm, I'm sure you have friends who would much rather text you than call you on the telephone. And unfortunately, our society is kind of going that way. And if they can go on online store and push a couple of buttons and, and a couple of keystrokes and, and have something show up on their doorstep, they would much rather buy it that way.
0: And I fully understand that. And, uh, you know, change is good. You just got to embrace it and you got to go with it. And uh, that's why I'm, I'm just... Tickle pink to have, you know, the staff that I have, including uh, I have one of my boys who's involved in the business and uh, he's that's gonna be his task and his charge is to uh keep us on top of that curve.
2: You know, it's funny because the part of the world, the liberal world, would like us all to believe that you just have to push a button and a gun comes to your house and they totally forget about the fact that it needs to be transferred from you to somebody else, fill out a NICS, and go through all the same paperwork you would if you walk in the store. Um, but, you know, the, like Kelly said, the world is going that way. I mean, I think the news today was that Amazon bought Whole Foods. So I'd like to see, you know, how I get a head of lettuce uh, from an Amazon <laughs> delivery service. But I'm sure it's going to be headed that way. Um, Tell us a bit about, I know you're very involved in a yearly pre-dove hunt, uh, and the community really uh, appreciates what you do for that, and it brings a lot of commerce to the city. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got into that, what you do, and where you see it going.
0: Well, you know, the dove openers is a real big deal here in Yuma, because <clears throat> agriculture is the number one uh, source of industry in Yuma County. And uh, because of our agricultural farming practices and the fact that we're approximately our proximity to Mexico or a natural flyway, we have just a lot of birds here. So the dove opener has always been big. Um, back when the seasons were in, our our crop rotation was a little bit different. We even had seemingly more birds. Uh, I'm talking 30 years ago, and the limits were even higher. We used to stay open 24 hours. We even had did radio broadcasts, and we had so many people come in. We would stay open 24 hours uh, day before the season opened. But... Um, we're still very, very strong, and our limits have come up from where they were uh, two or three years ago, maybe four now. Game & Fish uh, has a great small game department, and dub fall under that, and they've raised the limits to 15 now. So we started about, I think this is our fourth year where we meet with Game & Fish um uh, and also uh, Yuma Visitors Bureau and people from uh, the local sportsmen's club and and Chamber of Commerce, and we recognize the economic impact and shot in the arm that the Dove Opener brings to Yuma coming out of the slower summer season. So we're actually having a meeting here today at 2 o'clock. There'll be uh, 6 to 10 people in attendance, and we'll be plotting and planning um, the Dove Opener and try to make our hunters and the guests that come in uh, feel very welcome. And, and make sure that they know where they can go and all the all the rest that Yuma has to offer.
1: Hey, Richard, just a quick uh, question out of curiosity: um, How is I, I think they call them collared dove? Uh, how is their population in Yuma? I know that it seems like every season I go out here, I see more and more of them. It's almost like it's you know kind of becoming a a, a plague.
0: Well, you know, there's a, there, it's a growing population. Um, the, I think most sportsmen don't mind the fact that they can add those to their daily limit and hunt them year-round, but their population is growing. And, and in some places, like in a lot of neighborhoods, you see more Eurasians, um, and they're noisy, and they're bigger, and they, they're, uh, you see more Eurasians than you do sometimes white wing and morning dove
1: i can tell you when you're used to seeing white wing dove and then you see him next to a morning dove you think man those white wings are huge but then when you see one of the eurasians next to a white wing you say oh that's a pigeon (laughs) because they're considerably bigger
0: yeah this will be our uh, 29th year of our version of a big deer contest that we hold with dove and it's called the big breast contest and uh we have national sponsors um Federal Ammunition and Benelli, USA, and Budweiser. And the Eurasians, we're still not weighing Eurasians. It's traditional birds, the morning dove and the white wing only so far.
1: So do you have a separate class for each?
0: Uh, Nope, nope. And the white wings usually win. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey, okay that's why i was going to ask when you specified morning dove i'm not sure that i've ever seen the biggest uh morning dove to be bigger than the smallest white wing uh, unless yeah, they're just right. yeah uh, richard do you still stay current
2: in the shooting sports do you do any competition uh, when you get to be my age you start looking at f class uh, because of optics are, are you continuing with that at all
0: you know what i got into hunting i, I shot competitively uh through um, uh, probably, I mean, active competitively through age 21 or so, and then got real serious with the business. I started just hunting more, uh, but I still shot some ipsic occasionally. In fact, uh, we shot a match we um, this past weekend in Yuma. We called it, uh, my son started, called it the uh, Chad's Ice Cream Social, and we had about 15 of our store staff come out, and uh, we provided... Anybody who needed equipment or gear and paid for everything and ammo, and it was a great, great event, and it was really fun to get out there and shoot uh, four stages of IPSC this weekend. I um, haven't shot any F-class. I have shot some long-range. Enjoy that. It's a real growing part of our business here, uh, all the long-range tactical stuff, precision rifle. But uh, mostly I hunt more than I shoot competition at this point.
1: Just curious, have you drawn your uh, Bighorn Sheep tag?
0: I've got the Arizona Slam. Yes, sir. I've got Desert. Awesome. I drew Desert in 88, and I drew Rocky in 2007.
1: You're one of the few people I know who's actually drawn both. I know a guy who, who drew his uh, Desert back in, well, he's got 27 or 28 points uh, for his Rocky Mountain and hasn't been drawn yet. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's rare that you find someone who got drawn for both.
0: I count my blessings. I, I do.
1: Well, you've got some of the best sheep hunting uh, within, you know, almost a walking distance of where you are. So, you know, being in Yuma, it takes a lot of ribbing, and a lot of people talk about why would you want to live in Yuma. But man, if you're a sheep hunter, that that's a good place to live in this state.
0: One of my uh, one of my uh, younger employees, he's 20 or 21, drew a, a sheep tag last year, and. He was successful on the, uh, killed a boomer of a ram and scored about 176 net, I think.
1: Wow, that's big. And I want to congratulate you on on drawing your tags. Uh, Any other Arizona hunting you do?
0: Oh, I I had a Unit 1 archery elk tag last year. Um, Was not successful, or or I opted not to be successful. I passed a whole bunch of bulls, and I I had a a couple of... um, Couple of shots that didn't connect at 60 yards and had a great hunt though and was in action all seven out of nine days that I hunted. So it was a good time. I, I pretty much hunt everything in the state.
2: Richard, I want to go back to your uh, mentioning uh, long range uh, we're heavily committed to, in the extreme long range community um, Kelly has actually developed a stock called the Beast which is being adopted by, by many of the long range shooters um, and when I talk about extreme long range I mean out to you know 3,370 yards or 2 miles we're actually going at the end of the month to the King of the 2 Mile which is uh, an event being held at the Whittington Center it's uh, the, I believe the 27th 28th and 29th of June I think last year there were maybe 20 entrants, and this year there's over 70. So it's really, wow. really growing. Yeah. Well, What are you selling in your store, you know, to support that? What kind of gear do you find people are, are buying, um, it, you know, for that type of genre?
0: Well, you know, the Ruger Precision Rifle has really jump-started start that for us. Um, and then a lot of people have jumped on board with... You know, quality offerings, including Savage and and um, Tika and and Remington, of course. And uh, we're selling a, a, a variety of those. In fact, we've got a little Ruger promotion going on here today, and I've got my my Ruger rep, Kevin Goodwin, is here, and he just came back from a Prairie Dog shoot in Wyoming with uh, Ruger factory folks, and he is telling me, and I haven't had a chance to hear the whole story, but he's. He connected at, right at 1,100 yards several times um, with his Ruger Precision Rifle, and he had a, a Vortex Razor something or other on that, and, and we're selling a, a lot of Vortex optics, and still Leopold has been good. Still selling some, uh, some Swarovski as well, and um, you know we're, we're anxious to see how some of these other products have come out, like uh, EOTech and their Voodoo series, and then, of course, the Collis the line.
1: You know as a retailer I'm sure you kind of get an impression about what um your customers are excited about by the amount of sales. Uh, Vortex is a fairly new scope company. I mean you know within the when you think about even Nightforce uh, being around for a while uh, loophole, obviously, uh, an old timer, but Vortex fairly new in that game. But they've made some really big inroads. They started out with just kind of a, a, a so-so scope, but they've really changed the quality of their product and making a good product right now. You see that in their sales.
0: Yeah, Vortex is—they're um, really a great company to deal with. They've uh, helped us. Uh, they're great partners to the, the retailer. And with service at every level, when you call them back up for anything at all, you get to talk to that live person that we talked about earlier, and they never seem to pass the buck. They just say, "Well, tell you what, it's not my area of expertise, but I think I can figure it out. Let me let me see what I can do for you on that." Um, they've got such a wide variety of offerings at different price points in every category, from binoculars to spotting scopes to range finders, and the you know the warranty and. They've caused. They're causing every optics manufacturer to uh, rethink their approach to the marketplace. I believe.
2: I agree. And you mentioned you had the Ruger rep there. I got to ask you: Are you a Henry repeating arms reseller?
0: Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, we love those guys. They're outstanding. So,
2: I got to ask you then the the question I ask almost every dealer I work with: Has Anthony Imperato shown up at your store and worked behind your counter?
0: I haven't. Um... Had that privilege and pleasure, but I'll tell you, I've got some good, I've got some good Henry stories. When I have needed on occasion a a part or a piece, they go above and beyond, like immediately.
2: Well, I highly suggest that you call in there and ask Henry, uh, ask Henry, ask Anthony to come out. Uh, He will actually do that. He he will come out to, you know, any store that wants him out there as long as he has enough uh, time to do so. He's a swell guy. Uh, I know Kelly met him a couple of years ago at Shot and Kelly has a beautiful 4570 and I just got my daughter my 13-year-old a a Golden Boy 22. So, yeah, I, that that's my suggestion for you if I could be so bold to suggest to the master retailer of retail that might be something you'd want to do.
0: I will uh, I will I'll make a note on that and I may challenge him with that. <laughs>
1: You know, one of the things that we always have to keep in mind is how we can keep our customers engaged. Um, it, it sounds like you do a great job with the, you know, the pre-dove hunt and, and all of the the um, events that you have, like the one you've got going on today. So, uh, any uh, words of wisdom you can tell the regular guy who's listening to this show on on how you've been so successful at at keeping your customers engaged.
0: Well, you know, you got to support our industry that supports us and works hard to keep us all in business. So I would suggest if you're not a member of the National Shooting Sports Foundation, you join. It's very reasonable. For most dealers, it would be like 75 bucks a year. And the benefits just, you know, are they're just adding uh, amenity programs right and left. Um, there's all kinds of education opportunities. And their website is getting a, take, getting a complete makeover. I'm not exactly sure when it will be done, but I'm guessing by... Um, next couple of months and it'll be a little bit more user friendly but you know just get back to your community stay involved Um, man if you can help uh, the Boy Scouts and uh, the local groups I mean we never turn down a fundraising opportunity to help people make money for their causes we're holding a a food drive here in about about a month a little under a month called Aim to Help Hunger and it's um, we do it in the nastiest time of the year in Yuma, Arizona it's about probably be 112 that day, middle of July. And <clears throat> we challenge all of our customers that are sportsmen, outdoorsmen, to uh, clear out their freezer, uh, bring in their, you know, clear out their pantry and their freezer. It doesn't have to be professionally packaged. And we work with the oh, local I'm sorry, uh,
2: Richard, Crossroads Richard, I'm Mission sorry. and
0: Food Bank and Salvation Army, those that have kitchens and can prepare stuff that's been, you know, professionally wrapped but not necessarily made for resale. That's, that's turned out to be a great event for us.
1: Um, hey, Richard, that, that's really good advice, and I, I'm really glad that you shared that with us. Um, unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. It's been great, and uh, when we get a little bit more time, I'd love to have you back.
0: No no problem. Kelly, Deb. you guys take care, and, and thanks for having me on.
1: Thank thanks. You, man. Appreciate it. Uh, once again, we've come to the end of another great show. Uh, I'd like to thank our listeners for spending their very valuable time with us. Remember, we'll be here next Friday on Voice America Sports Channel for another exciting episode of Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. And don't forget that you can always re-listen to an episode if you need to. Go to our website, uh, McMillanUSA.com, follow the radio link, and uh, you can listen to any of the shows that we've done. Zev? Us well, I, I usually uh, listen to Kelly telling folks
2: to have a great weekend and, and spend it outside. This weekend, it's going to be a little hot. I think I'm going to go to the movie theater.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Be sure to come back for more next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The weekend is here. Enjoy yourself. We'll talk again next week.